What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Creator Coffee Hour. I'm your host, Solmood, and this week we have a continuation of my conversation with Matt Black from Atomic Finance. However, what's different this time around is we deep dive specifically into Bitcoin, why Bitcoin is important, Bitcoin's adoption curve, and why you should be paying attention to it, the difference between Bitcoin on exchanges versus Bitcoin in a hard wallet, where to learn more about the cryptocurrency environment, and what exactly the future holds for Bitcoin as an asset. These are all topics that are super relevant in today's world, as well as into the future, and I think you will all really enjoy this conversation. If you've been enjoying the episode so far, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and hit that follow button if you're listening on Spotify. If you haven't already, subscribe to our direct feed on Substack to receive our episodes before anyone else through the link in our Instagram bio. We talk a lot today about investing, so I just have to stress that all opinions expressed are solely our individual opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by either myself or Matt as a specific inducement to make a particular investment. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute financial or investment advice. Anyways, enjoy the show. Obviously, as someone who's kind of, you know, in the, I would say an expert and is in, obviously in the industry, if you had to speak to the average 22-year-old or, you know, the average university student on the importance of Bitcoin, how would you kind of pitch it to them in a minute or less? Oh, man. Yeah, I did this on, I did this on another podcast and uh, I was supposed to pitch it to my grandma, I think, and then I, then I did a bad job, but uh, <laughs> I'll see if I can do better this time. Um, I think that like Bitcoin is, um, like Bitcoin is freedom money. So like what that means is like, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's digital gold, right? So we had, um, if, if you ever, if you ever like want a way to be able to store your wealth in a way that can't be, you know, can't be taken from you that, uh, that, you know, that you have full control of that, you know, Bitcoin is for you. If you want to hedge against the existing financial system and, and, uh, you know, the, you know, the government's printing money like no tomorrow. If, if you believe that the government can fuck up and can mess up like they did in 2008 and that's going to happen again, I, you know, uh, you know, Bitcoin is for you. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, there's 21 million Bitcoin. There's not enough for every millionaire to have one. This is this is your this is your like this is the ultimate savings account. If we look at Bitcoin over like the last, um, you know, you know, several years, you know, it's it's easily, you know, 10x to 100x like multiple times. Um, but because like, you know, the entire world has not bought into, has not bought into Bitcoin yet. And so I think, you know, if we're looking at, um, you know, what the future of finance looks like, the future of finance is Bitcoin. What do you think people are going to be using in 30 years? Are they going to be using our old, um, existing financial system, or are they going to be using a a new and fast and and great one like Bitcoin? And so I think if you want to preserve your wealth, if you want to protect yourself against inflation, um, you know, I think Bitcoin is a, is a perfect thing, you know, for you. And I'm actually, and now I'm actually curious. So you've been, you've watched Pop, uh, and uh, you know, and you kind of heard my explanation to a 22 year old. I'm curious to hear, like, what is, what is, what is your view for, so like, someone who's, uh, who's like, I, I wouldn't call you a normie. I'd say you're like, you're a little bit, you know, further in deep because you do listen to Pop. Uh, I'm curious to hear what, what, what your pitch would be. I wouldn't necessarily say I have a pitch. Like, I, I think I've already tried. I, I've talked to a lot of my friends. I'm like, you guys should add a little bit of crypto, but specifically Bitcoin, to your, to your portfolio. I feel like, especially for people who, because a lot of my friends are in finance or accounting, 
For a lot of people that are working in the current financial industry, they are naturally a bit skeptical of Bitcoin. And I think the biggest thing is the volatility and the use case that they see for it. But for me, for Bitcoin as an asset, I think a lot, a lot of what you said is totally true. But I also think it, it is the perfect hedge to the current financial system. And, and, and I, th I think it's way better than gold in terms of looking at its future use case and how much more future oriented it is and what the possibilities could be. One Bitcoin's worth 45 grand uh, USD, I think a couple, I think on Friday it might've been. We've seen it, it was very volatile over, over the last like, you know, a few months going all the way up to 60, 60 grand. But I think the value of that, as people understand the use case, understand how it works more and more. And you know, I guess this is kind of might be mean to say, but as the old guard kind of in the financial industry kind of moves out, I think the use case and the use of Bitcoin will only increase, increase, increase as people like you continue to grow um, and, and you know, become the ones that are outspoken about the financial industry. So that's why I, I, I'm, I'm very bullish on it. And I think like if you're going to put money anywhere and just let it sit, if you have money in an S&P 500 index fund, then I don't see why you wouldn't just put a portion of your money into Bitcoin as well. It's the only like it's a, it's a perfectly uncorrelated asset as well. So if you think that things could go to shit, you know, a Bitcoin is a perfect hedge against that. And and also, I think I would say as well, like uh, companies are starting to do this to hedge, you know, micro strategy. Uh, how many billion dollars? I think they put a billion dollars in. It's worth two billion now. Uh, Elon Musk, you know, put a percentage of the treasury of, of Tesla into Bitcoin. So like if you don't have Bitcoin, you know, I think you should be asking yourself like, uh, you know, what do you know that Elon Musk doesn't know? <laughs> you know, like, um, it's so I, I think we're getting in the age of like, you know, corporations buying. And, you know, when that happens, I think it's going to be a, a lot harder to get in. And so, um, yeah, I think people need to have, a, have, have another look at it. <laughs> and then we've kind of talked about it before, but I think one thing that I want to tune into so that people understand is kind of the difference between having like Bitcoin through a custodian, so whether it be through like Binance or Coinbase, the difference between that and then actually owning Bitcoin on a hard wallet and what the implications might be, speaking to maybe like Quadrica, like that whole scandal and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I know like a lot of, um, and many many people like listening might've been affected by Quadrica. Like, like the situation is that um, there's two types of Bitcoin. There is a Bitcoin IOU and then there's Bitcoin. So a Bitcoin IOU is, you know, you buy it on an exchange, it sits in the exchange, it's in the exchange's wallet. Um, and that's what happened with Quadriga is, you know, people deposited money in there. Um, you know, the founder, you know, died in India. Uh, they don't know like what's, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, the founders were actually, I was at a dinner, actually a Bitcoin dinner. And like, uh, I, one of the guys there had met the founders and they, they knew the way the founders met each other because they scammed each other. So, you know, that's, oh my uh, <laughs> gosh, that's a hell of a founder story. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that's, that's Quadriga for you. But like at the end of the day, like if you've got your money in an ex like if you got your money in an exchange, there's nothing protecting you. If that, if they disappear, like there's no do-overs. There's no way to get that Bitcoin back. Like Mt. Gox, you know, like billions of dollars now of like Bitcoin were, were like lost in the Mt. Gox hack. Uh, Quadriga, uh, people lost millions upon millions of dollars because um, they had their money like sitting in Quadriga. So if you want to really like be able to protect your, if you're buying Bitcoin, you want to be able to protect your wealth. Um, I, I always recommend, uh, you know, getting a hardware wallet. So there's this really good guide online. It's called like uh, bitcoinsecurity.guide. And um, what it goes over is like the process of being able to like custody Bitcoin yourself. Uh, so usually what you buy is it's a little device. It's called a hardware wallet. It means that the, 
the private key that's associated with your Bitcoin um, is, is, is held on that wallet. So that's the key to be able to access your Bitcoin. It's held, it's not on the computer, it can't be hacked. And that just allows you to spend your Bitcoin and have peace of mind. Then no one, doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if this company goes down, that company goes down, anyone goes down, you've still got your Bitcoin. Um, and, and, and that's, that's for, you know, I think for a lot of Bitcoiners, that's like the really great peace of mind that it brings. You know, uh, Bitcoin IOU, it's an IOU, it's OTU. Uh, they're not necessarily going to give you that Bitcoin when shit hits the fan. Uh, real Bitcoin, it's, it's always yours. And one thing I've also heard is like, sometimes you don't know, like, is there really Bitcoin behind the scenes that they're holding for you? Like the Bitcoin that you've said that you bought, is that really there? Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about, you know, Bitcoin's unique properties. A Bitcoin IU doesn't necessarily have that, right? So we'll put that in the show notes if anyone is interested. Again, I think crypto as a whole, the information is really fragmented. And one thing that I kind of, I've kind of like, I listened to a podcast the other day and it's like, when, when any information about learning about crypto or learning about Bitcoin is put onto the internet, once it's published, it's already outdated because the industry is like evolving so friggin' quickly, right? If I want to learn more, who should I be listening to? Uh, what, I should, what should I be reading? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you've, uh, uh, you, you've been uh, kind of watching the right content, right? you know, watching Pomp. <laughs> you know, he has a great, a great podcast. And, uh, and, you know, he's, he's, I think he's a really great, um, you know, guy for, um, you know, bringing someone into the industry that maybe, um, you know, isn't, you know, uh, you know, isn't reading white papers, you know, isn't, um, isn't like, you know, <laughs> writing, writing cryptography on a daily basis, like someone who's just like, hey, I'm interested in Bitcoin, what is it? Um, you know, he can kind of, you know, introduce you to it and show you the ropes and show you why Bitcoin is important. Um, uh, I, I think like at some point, a lot of people go down the rabbit hole and that's where like, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot more podcasts actually. So actually I think two things, Pomp, Pomp has a great podcast. And also I've heard Steven Levera. I've heard he is a really great podcast as well. Uh, I haven't actually watched it myself, but I've been meaning to. Um, and then of course there's podcasts that are, you know, much, much further down the, the rabbit hole. Um, uh, that, and they talk, they're like, they're like the real Bitcoiners that, that will talk to you about, um, you know, why you need, you know, your own, uh, you know, hard, hardware wallet, how to secure your Bitcoin, all this other stuff. Uh, and that's really on um, uh, like Marty Bent's podcast, uh, like Tales from the Crypt. I think he does a really great job getting into that. Um, and uh, the other place as well that more recently is actually Clubhouse. There's a lot of like different like Clubhouse rooms that are like Bitcoin focused. And it's really great in there because people will ask like really like rudimentary questions. And you, and you can just like, you know, if you're, if you're new to Bitcoin, like you can go out there and you can ask like the simple questions to these, like to these Bitcoiners and learn like, uh, you know, like all the things that you want to learn or you had, you always had questions about. I think it's a really great opportunity. Yeah. Your Bitcoin end game. Like what do you kind of see 30 years down the line? Cause I've heard different takes and that's again, where a lot of people criticize Bitcoin because of the volatility, like whether it can be that um long-term asset that just sits in in the central bank kind of thing people criticize it because of the volatility that it does bring so i was kind of curious like what do you kind of see do you see it as an asset do you see it as as a tool or both or you know where do you kind of see it as in the in, the, in our in our financial industry yeah so i think there's actually like we talked as well about this all the time like there's two ways that this can go uh one is so i, I think regardless like you know bitcoin is going to become like the uh, world reserve currency um you know it will it will work like what gold did in the you know in the early 1900s um you know bitcoin will do for the um you know the 21st century um and i, th I think it will be the asset that you know that will be you know utilized you know whether it's by 
So, and, and really, I think there's two ways that this can go. Like one is one is that it's the one that's, you know, it's the currency that's used by banks. Bitcoin is held with custodians. Countries have like large reserves of Bitcoin, but the average person doesn't, right? And so it, it basically just becomes the new gold. Um, and uh, it becomes a Bitcoin walled garden where if you want to buy Bitcoin, it's like, you know, it's just as difficult as, as buying gold. It's held in large custodians. Everyone who buys Bitcoin, and it just exists at an exchange or something. So I think that's one version. And that's, you know, that's a very dark version, in my opinion. And, it, you know, kind of, you know, it, it, it's a little bit better than, um, than gold because you can actually prove like how much Bitcoin there is and you can prove scarcity. Uh, but it really doesn't like achieve all the things that we sought out to do with Bitcoin. The other version is, is um, in my opinion, a lot, uh, a lot brighter, which is um, a future where like um, of, of like self custody. So everyone like kind of, you know, goes and they, they, they custody their own Bitcoin um, and how this is going to look, I think is, is a little bit unclear. And part of the reason for that is because um, like the scalability of Bitcoin. So, you know, the 7 billion people on earth uh, about like 3000 transactions can be created every 10 minutes on Bitcoin. That means like a person can create a transaction on Bitcoin every three decades. Uh, <laughs> that is like incredibly not scalable. But, um, you know, I think there's a lot of like technical solutions that can allow that to be the case. But I think at the end of the day, um, you know, if people aren't custodying Bitcoin themselves and aren't, you know, uh, using financial tools that, um, uh, that that like they have control of, then like we've we've failed as a as an industry to like really bring like the great benefits of Bitcoin. Like to your average person and all we've done is taking this great technology and we've like centralized it um so i think that's that's really what i see is that um over time like it's either going to be a um it's going to be a bitcoin walled garden or it's going to be like a nice and open future where like everyone's able to like do you know things with bitcoin themselves i think long term as well like uh big bitcoin whales that hold a lot of bitcoin today um, actually, you know, in the future, like eventually you're going to have an adoption curve, right? So it's, you know, you're going to have a massive growth of Bitcoin and then it's going to level off. And eventually like Bitcoin is not going to be as volatile as it is today. Um, like you're going to like, uh, when Bitcoin hits half a million dollars, it's like on par with like the market cap of gold. And, so, and, but I don't think that's the, that's like, um, like the upper limit to Bitcoin. I think it's going to go much higher than that. Um, but it's just a situation of like, you know, the volatility will decrease as there is more capital in it. So today, like, don't worry about the volatility in Bitcoin. Um, uh, you know, when, when Bitcoin's worth like a million dollars or, you know, $5 million, like, it, like it going from like 50K to 25K, that's not going to matter to you, you know? <laughs> so like, we're going to have an adoption curve. It's going to get, it's going to get like not volatile. By the time it gets, it's, it's, it's not volatile anymore. The opportunity has gone. So. So to your average person, someone our age, so do you think everyone should have a position in Bitcoin? Oh, I, 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 absolutely. <laughs> like, I, okay, this is not financial advice, but uh, like, um, I, I think um, like, even if you're just in it for the person, like the, like the purpose of diversification, diversification, like if you're invested in stocks, like you should have like a small portion of your, your net worth in Bitcoin, even if it's like 1% or 2%, like you should, you should have like a little bit of Bitcoin on hand because um, you know, like, even if you think there's like a like and and just just put in as much as like what you think like the chances of Bitcoin like being successful like if you think there's a one percent chance of Bitcoin becoming like the world reserve currency then you should have one percent of your like your assets in Bitcoin if you think it's two percent then you have you have two percent I mean you know uh, Bitcoiners they, you know they they think it's a hundred percent so that's you know that's why uh, that's why they're all in um, so that that's kind of what I would recommend and then I think I know what your answer is going to be to this but. 
you know, we're seeing, especially in Canada, I think our first Bitcoin ETF was approved mm. like a couple of weeks ago. It's the most custodial I say you could be an ETF, right? <laughs> so I think I know your answer is going to be, but yeah, what, what's your opinion on them? So I think, I think the real, like, obviously, you know, um, uh, like a Bitcoin ETF, it's just like custodial Bitcoin at the end of the day. I think the real person of the Bitcoin, the real like purpose of the Bitcoin ETF is actually for like your TFSA, right? So if you, um, if you see yourself like buying Bitcoin and then like, you know, selling at the high and then buying back in at the low, et cetera, then like, um, then like you're, you're not really in it for like the long game anyway. Like you're, you're really, in, you're, you're really a trader. And so um, it's really useful for being able to have like, obviously not pay taxes on the massive gains that occur like in Bitcoin. So I think that's really what the purpose of like the Bitcoin ETF is for. Um, you know, I'm, I, 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 to be honest, I think like a lot of Bitcoin, uh, some Bitcoiners even have like, have gone out and like they bought, bought the Bitcoin ETF for the purpose of having like, you know, hey, if you have like five, 10% of your position like in Bitcoin and you have that in a Bitcoin ETF um, and, and you just want to like sell to have a little, like a little bit of money at the high, I think that's, I think that's totally fine. I would not recommend have like obviously don't put all your net worth in like yeah, the ETF because it's just it's just a custodian once again at the end of the day and um and and it really doesn't like it isn't in line with like you know the, like the vision of Bitcoin but um but I, I think that's fine for you know uh, I, I think there, there's the reason for it like for you know if companies want to get you know uh, exposure to it like really they should just be holding it on their balance sheets but I know that's hard right now so I think the biggest purpose is just for like um, being able to put it in your TFSA and and sell at the high. Um, but you know, if, if, if you're, if you're, if you're getting access to Bitcoin, like I would say like maybe put, you know, five, 10% in the ETF and the rest, you really should be like custodying yourself. The, the, one of the big things that I think has had an impact on crypto as a whole, but specifically Bitcoin is the impact of like shit, you know, I'll call them shit coins or, you know, like the, and in like the pump of pump and dumps that you'll see, especially, you know, you know, the way media handles things and the way they kind of portray things. Right. Um, and, and it kind of affects the broader scale credibility of Bitcoin and crypto as a whole. So moving forward, you know, what do you think can be done to kind of prevent these, you know, quote unquote Ponzi schemes and, and to kind of clear up the difference between what Bitcoin is versus what these other people are doing that's unrelated to what Bitcoin is? So I think it has a big impact. Yeah, I think like these, these like Ponzi, like part of part of the reason that these Ponzi schemes can be created is because it is an open market. Right. So I don't actually think there's much that can be done in terms of stopping them from being created. You know, like people are always going to print shit coins and then they'll eventually, you know, realize, um, you know, why they're shitty and eventually move to Bitcoin. Um, because I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I believe in open markets, right? Like if you're any like type of Austrian economics, you're, you're going to believe in um, yeah, a free market and, and people being able to do what they wish. So if people wish to print shit coins, like, you know, they can do it. Uh, obviously like, I think part of, part of like the things that, you know, we can do and to like, you know, improve on those things is building tools for, for people that, you know, allows them to be able to utilize like, um, you know, I guess like, you know, decentralized like products without, um, without using a token. So an example of that is like most of the things that exist in like Ethereum DeFi require like a token. Like if you want to, um, if you want to like use an Oracle, like there's a token for that, um, you know. Compound, MakerDAO, like all these, all these different tools that exist in Ethereum, each of them, they all have tokens um, that are like really unnecessary. So I think really it's like, if you want to like change that from occurring, you just need to build tools that don't include tokens. And then people, you know, people, if people use your tool, they won't like use your token as well. 
So I, I think that's really the only way to stop it. Like it's just going to keep happening and there's going to be a lot of noobs that come into the market and they're going to get wrecked by, you know, all these, all these shit coins. And, you know, that's just going to happen again and again. And it's unfortunate, but like at the end of the day, Bitcoin has always been, ki- has always been King and always will be King. Like all the number two, number three, number four, you know, next hundred after that, they've all changed over the last 10 years and that'll just continue to happen. So, um, I mean, if we can educate people to, to be focused on Bitcoin and Bitcoin only, then then great. And I think that's what we should be doing. But yeah, you can't really stop the, the shit coins. <laughs> I actually thought of one more thing that's kind of outside of the Bitcoin crypto kind of space. Because you've talked a lot about yeah. like reading other stories of other entrepreneurs. Like you talked about Jeff Bezos, Netflix, Reed Hastings, and you mentioned a few others. And you talked about reading in general, like even Tony's reading on specific topics that have helped your business. But from just a general business entrepreneurship's perspective, like what was what is the one book you'd say, you know, if you want to become an entrepreneur, this is the first big book that I'd say pick up, give it a read. Oh, interesting. That's a uh, one book. I, I don't know. Like I've read, um, to be honest, I've, I've been meaning to do like uh, more reading. Tony's been doing a lot of reading and he's been telling me to do more reading. So I need to do that. <laughs> That's one thing I need to improve for myself. Uh, I really enjoyed... Um, I really enjoyed reading like the, the everything store by like Jeff Bezos, because it really talked about, um, you know, what the, what the process for like them was like, like in the early days. And um, I think it also teaches you like uh, not only like the difficulties of being an entrepreneur, but like the things that you need to focus on and um, and how they really thought about creating a business. So, you know, starting on like a specific segment, like, you know, Amazon, when they started, they said, Hey, uh, we're not building the everything store to begin with we're just starting on books. Like we're just, we're just going to go and we're going to like solve this one problem. And then like, we can go and expand from there. So I think like reading those books teaches you um, like those, those specific things. So it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, I also enjoyed reading like made in America by, you know, uh, about Sam Walton and Walmart. Um, And, and, you know, that's a great book as well, where they, you know, started on like a specific thing and expanded from there. Um, So it doesn't, I I would recommend those two books, but um, I, I think in general, like, you know, reading reading stories about entrepreneurs and like what their process was i think can be really helpful um and i think it's also really helpful to like uh read about your your specific industry as well and like learn about like the different companies and like what what they did like how did coinbase start like so that would be really something that would be really useful for us uh, which a book hasn't been written yet but obviously we can <laughs> we can talk to people and and learn kind of what the process was or from the blog posts etc um and, uh, and so I think, I think that's what, that's, what's the most important is find what industry you're in and then find like stories of entrepreneurs that have gone and built things in that industry. And then you'll have a better sense of like how to, how to tackle what you want to do. Well, okay, great. Thanks so much, Matt. Honestly, it's been an awesome conversation and it's honestly so cool to have someone from, you know, Waterloo Laurier that is working in the Bitcoin crypto space. Yeah, I'm not really aware of anyone else that's working in that, in, in that industry and actually creating waves and making an impact like you are. So um, any last words? Uh, any last words? Uh, yeah, I'll read the uh, oh, good book. If you want to like really learn about Bitcoin, read the Bitcoin standard. It's the uh, it's it's a, it's an awesome it's an awesome one. It will completely change your mind about the existing financial system. Yeah. Thanks so much, Matt. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're interested in any of the resources that matter I mentioned, I've included a list of the podcasts and books in this episode's show notes. We'll be back next week interviewing another founder, but I wanted to take the opportunity to deep dive into a very relevant and interesting topic as well as share it with you all. 
Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Creator Coffee Hour for weekly updates and some awesome content. To receive our episodes the instant they're released, subscribe to our Substack through the link in our Instagram bio where you can subscribe directly to the email feed. Thanks again for listening. See you all next week.